Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Anti-Bullying 101. This podcast is designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Enjoy the podcast, everybody. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Anti-Bullying 101. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host, and I hope that I can provide with you, provide for you some insight into this bullying epidemic that we continue to battle each and every day. It's my goal with this podcast to enlighten, to help, And to bring awareness to the problem, because it is not only in schools, it's not only uh, in the community, it's in the workforce, it's in politics, it's everywhere. And I'm going to try and share with you today how and why someone becomes a bully. We're going to discover how do you make a bully from scratch? The making of a bully. What causes someone either to have the desire to bully others or what events, what things occurred in their life that caused them to want to bully others? And... I think we would all agree that the bullying epidemic is on the rise. There's no question about it. And all the schools are mandated to have programs. And in trying to answer this question, I think that some of the answers may surprise you and they may make sense. But What you have to do is study the intergenerational tendencies over the years. And when you do that, you're going to have a spotlight come on over many of the aspects of bullying that really resulted in some unending relational aggression 
during the past two decades. Now, <clears throat> bullying's been around since Cain and Abel. But the acceleration of it, the uh, uh, idea that there's so many victims out there who have been traumatized by bullying and whose lives really have been turned upside down and ruined because of bullying events. And it's true. A person's life can be ruined by bullying. There's no question about it. Bullying causes post-traumatic stress. Bullying reduces confidence in a person's self-esteem. Bullying gives the victim a poor view of his own reality or her own reality. It puts them in a position where they may be very talented but are afraid to take a risk because of failure. They have social issues. They don't like to be in uh, large groups. They have trouble making friends. There's a host of different, and this all goes on right through adulthood. And it's a very scary thing that can happen to a person and it starts at a very young age. <clears throat> now, some of the acts of bullying were brought to the forefront after Columbine High School. And we all remember that devastating event. That happened in April of 1999. The two boys, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, demonstrated some telltale signs, if you will, of the victims of bullying. In other words, they were bullied. And they demonstrated those signs, but no one noticed it because we weren't paying as much attention to the problem as we do now. And in reality, no one saw them at all. And it has always amazed me, and I've done podcasts on this, if you look at some of the acts of violence that occur in our society, whether it be shootings, whether it be hate crime, whether it be bombings, whether it, no matter what it is, you will always discover it seems like they always go back in a school situation anyway they go back and they talk to a guidance counselor or they talk to some of the teachers or they talk to some of the the kids friends who were involved in the shooting and some of the comments from neighbors or acquaintances like in Harris and Klebold's case they'll always say this, they were weird. They were odd. It was only a matter of time. And 
Retired FBI criminal profiler Jim Wright said, all of a sudden, when the act is over, a lot of people knew it was going to happen. In other words, the behavior was so bizarre, their behavior was so bizarre, you knew that they were going to be involved with something that could have devastating results. Now, knowing what we know now, knowing what we know now, it's very, very evident that victims of bullying, they develop this tremendous hate for their perpetrator. In other words, they got bullied and they hate the bully. But not only do they hate the bully, they hate society. They begin to develop this very strange view that everyone is against them. And they fear establishing relationships with others because there's a good chance they'll get hurt again. Now, this anger and fear resides in the heart and soul of the victim and it causes them to become so bitter and so debilitated by these emotions and it's only a matter of time before the this absolute rage will manifest itself unfortunately this rage expresses itself often in adulthood when the person the person's spouse or child discovers that their husband, their wife, their mom or their dad is not the person they appear to be. And acts of bullying could permeate the home, creating a, uh, an atmosphere, an environment of fear and intimidation. So, if you're the children in that home, if you're the children in that home, the message that you get is that whatever you want, you can get it through fear or asserting yourself through intimidation. That becomes the thought process that children develop. And they use that outside the home, in, and in school, and in the community. So, my point, and it has always been my point, that we have to strengthen the victims of bullying. Because if the victim is not dealt with using appropriate interventions and counseling, they can unwittingly produce the next bully. Now, bullying is an intergenerational problem and it can take on many forms and forensic psychologists have studied serial killers, rapists and murderers for years and they always 
track the problem back to a dysfunctional relationship in their childhood that was not dealt with. Now, if you've followed the, um, the series on Netflix, which was Mind Hunters, and watched some of the interviews that they, they did with serial killers, you'll discover that th that back 50 years ago when this uh, show was staged, you're going to discover that they all had trouble with their mother, their father, other kids, and so on. And usually, not always, but usually the problem involved abuse, belittling, violent parents, and the parent himself or herself was carrying around their own emotional struggle, struggles, and the anger just leaked out onto their own family. There is an intergenerational youth conflict that was not managed, and it became an adult conflict. And I've often said what one generation does in moderation, the next generation does in excess. You know, a smack on the fanny, you know, to discipline a kid 50, 60 years ago, the next generation took to the next level using violence, fancying it as corporal punishment. And this is only one example, but you can see where anger and bitterness can lead if it's not dealt with when a child is young. Now, I'm not using this as an excuse. This is not an excuse. I'm citing for you reasons why an individual could become a bully. So what, what are we supposed to do? And the, the biggest issue that I have is we don't create enough resiliency in the victims. We don't help them manage through that difficult situation. And you can do this in many ways, but it has to start when children are young. It has to start when they're young. You have to teach them how to say, stop, knock it off. You have to help them have productive conflict. You have to teach them sharing and caring. You have to give them the ability to emotionally and verbally stand up for themselves. So this is not an excuse. This is a reason why kids need to develop resiliency. So what do they do? Well, the answer is twofold, really. Bullies lack respect, which I define as having a regard for the rights and privileges of another person. So, like it or not, feel like it or not, a bully must be pressured into developing this lost quality and be held totally accountable for his or her actions. I think the word I'm looking for here is there has to be solid, consistent consequences. 
They have to, at a young age, develop respect for authority and be made to feel a little uncomfortable. Remember, a little bit uncomfortable when they display acts of disrespect. Remember, bullies are antisocial and they lacked empathy. You know, school activities at the elementary level, you know, like a class party or a class trip, should be seen as a privilege, not as a right. And if a bully is antisocial, you need to bar them from participation to make the point that his or her behavior and attitude will not be tolerated. And then as they get older and you move into the you know, the middle and high school years, you have participation on sports teams or clubs. If, in fact, they're having difficulty with other people, the last thing you want to do is put them with groups of people. So participation in a sport or a club should be forbidden. Forbidden from... The bully should not be involved in those activities where they have the environment to produce fear and intimidation in others. Remember, you can't grow a conscience, but you can develop what I call consequential thinking. And this is where you force the bully to ask himself the question, What am I going to gain and what am I going to lose through my actions? Now, the victim needs to be strengthened. They need to develop an attitude of responsibility and self-care for themselves. Self-care. Self-care is not selfish. Self-care is merely... The idea that I have to take care of myself and they have to begin to believe that they don't deserve the treatment that they are receiving. Oftentimes, victims will blame themselves. And often, victims are asked by teachers then when they report acts of bullying, well, what did you do? It doesn't matter what the kid did He's being bullied. It matters more what the bully did. I mean, why would we ask, what did you do? If, in fact, there was an absolute act of bullying taking place because no one deserves to be bullied. Then when you ask that question, you really put the victim on the defensive. And they could get to a point where they won't report anymore and decide to take matters into their own hands. That's what you don't want. Once the level of angerness and bitterness develops, that will determine the actions that a victim might take. In the case of Columbine, the actions affected society and made us rethink what these actions might be. See, and lots of times victims can be so afraid to report that they see no relief. And they begin to have 
difficulty. They just stop reporting out of frustration. There's a really interesting statistic that says 75% of teachers believe that they intervened in a bullying incident, while only 25 of students believe that the teachers intervened. Now, the real reason for this is that most often a teacher will talk to the bully. Teachers don't necessarily get an eyewitness view of the incident, and they find it difficult to come up with ammunition to impose a consequence, and a good talking to is not a consequence. Therefore, the behavior continues. And I will say this, if in fact the teacher calls home and says, Hi, Mrs. Jones, Johnny has been bullying Jimmy. The parent might say, Did you see it? And begin to bully the teacher. The teacher then becomes intimidated by the parent. They go back into the classroom. Jimmy then makes an attempt to report again to the teacher when Johnny continues to bully. And the teacher might say, go on, sit down, don't be such a tattletale. And unwittingly, they end up supporting the bully's behavior. That's a real problem. Dealing with angry and irate parents in a school for teachers is intimidating. It instills fear. And when you have young teachers... I mean teachers just got a college or maybe 24, 25 years old, and they have come from a good home where they wanted to go into teaching. There may have been teachers that were in their family and so on, and they saw it as a great vocation, and they wanted to take on this responsibility, and they go in with a loving, caring attitude, and they start to get intimidated. They don't know what to do. And they become fearful of making phone calls and of parent meetings. A victim needs to tune in to their own emotions. They need to become mindful of how uncomfortable they feel in terms of what it, what's being said and done to them. And because of the fact that the anger will develop. This anger is going to develop if the behavior continues and they have no way out. You will begin to see it. So not only is bullying very intergenerational, where the, the parent who was bullied in the home can produce the bully, and he can create bullying behavior in, in his or her own children. But victims at times can become bullies. They may need anger management at the very initial stages to quell this rage before it has a chance to take root and the bitterness develops. And... The victim needs to learn how to express themselves when they feel intimidated 
And they, they need, at a very, very young age, to develop the ability to say, stop, knock it off. Now, the victim can keep a journal of when they were bullied and the emotions they felt that they can review with a counselor or a therapist. And that's a great way for the victim to express negative emotions. We have to help the victim become resilient and we have to hold the bully accountable. And we have to pay attention to the behaviors that are occurring in the home as teachers because if you have a parent that bullies, the chances are real good they're bullying that child, that victim, and he now is becoming the next bully. It's Bullying is an intergenerational problem. Make no mistake about it. And resiliency on the part of the victim and consequences on the part of the bully is the way that it has to be managed. Now, in New Jersey, we have the Anti-Bullying Bill of Rights. And it was passed after uh, Tyler Clemente was bullied at Rutgers when he was videotaped by a roommate engaged in a physical act with another man. It was so demoralizing for, for this young man, Tyler, that he ended up jumping off the George Washington Bridge. Committed suicide. And teachers, students, administration, they all know that bullying is now being taken very seriously. And this intergenerational problem that we have, which is going from moderation to excess, is being revealed. Because the severity of the problem, and it, bullying is no longer some rite of passage that victims have to go through. We have to do these two things, three things. We have to recognize this as an intergenerational problem, recognize that the environment that a child is raised in, if the parents are angry and bitter. You know, I talk to parents. I've been in education for 43 years. And when I was an administrator, I would talk to parents, and I would get into conversations about their relationship with their own parents. You know what some of them might say to me? I haven't talked to my mother or my father in five years. They were angry at their parents for behavior that, um, or consequences or whatever that was done to them. They're still angry at them. Years later, that does nothing to help them raise their own children. Nothing. Because they don't know how to discipline. 
they don't know how to develop a relationship with their own children because they're too angry trying to figure out their relationship with their own parents. It's a problem. We have to recognize the intergenerational tendency. We have to hold the bully accountable with serious consequences. And we have to develop resiliency on the part of the victim. I mean, that, the Anti-Bullying Bill of Rights was, was written because suicides were on the rise. That's the biggest reason why. Tyler Clemente was the straw that broke the camel's back. And in my estimation, bullies are created. They're truly created, not born. They're created because of the intergenerational tendency that I just spoke about. Now, my name is Jim Burns. You've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101. A couple of things. I have created um, a membership site that my loyal listeners can go to where there is tons of additional information on bullying. There's courses there. I just put a course up there that you can listen to as a podcast, and I provided for you the lecture notes and the five um, sessions that you can go through. You can carry it around with you on your phone, download the lecture notes, and you've got, you've got a five-hour course that you can take using the podcast format. If you want to go to my website and take it on my website, there you would get um, all of the uh, slides and the video. You'll get the audio presentation. You'll get the video presentation on the website. The course is called Stress Management Through a Balanced Life. I'm going to leave a link for that for the membership, and I'm going to leave... um, a link to the course. You can pick whichever way you'd like to take it. Becoming a member is very cheap. It's not expensive. $9 a month. And you'll have access. And I put stuff up there probably twice a week. Stuff that's designed for people who want to be a members of the anti, of, uh, Anti-Bullying 101 Premium Podcasts. So don't miss out on that. Don't miss out on the stress management through a balanced life. Take the course in either podcast or, you know, the the full online version. It's there for you. Subscribe to this podcast. Please subscribe to it so you don't miss an episode. We have done hundreds of episodes. You can go back and listen to all of them if you like. This podcast is designed to help those who are being bu- who are being bullied and to give teachers, parents, and anyone else who may be having a problem with harassment and intimidation some of the tools necessary to deal with with that beha- with the behavior that they're experiencing from others or the treatment that they're getting from others. This problem's on the rise. It's going on all the time. And we have to learn 
as a society to value the differences and begin to see life from another person's perspective and work with that person to see life from the same perspective. It's a big deal. This is a big deal in our country right now as well. And many people don't realize it. But when you have such just hate for one party or another party, you know, and you want to have riots related to it, you're not valuing the differences. What you're doing is, is you are abusing someone because they have a different view than you. And that's not the way things should be. So we have to work as a family. We have to work together as schools, communities, and as a nation to help deal with the difficulty in terms of bullying that we are facing today. And we have to start right now. My name is Jim Burns. You've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101. I appreciate you as my listening audience. Make sure you tune in for the next episode. Every Tuesday, a new episode will come out. Every Tuesday, you'll have a new episode that you can tune into. Subscribe to the channel so you don't miss an episode. Once again, my name is Jim Burns. It's Tuesday right now. Happy Tuesday to all of you. I hope you all have a great week, and I'll see you the next time.